Why not just do a whole better late than never edition of the Fast Five at Five-ish? Because, well, it has been a quirky last few days. So we can opine now and blow off some steam in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Two nuggets that popped up when it came to NFL offseason moves that actually happened during the season. One, Chris Jones forfeited over a million dollars in pay from the Kansas City Chiefs as the star defensive tackle held out. He has a chance to make that money back up along with hitting other team-based incentives that could push his one-year contract to max out at $25 million over this season. You want to talk about an example of somebody that's played the business of free agency incorrectly in the NFL? This is the classic example of doing a horrible job with that. He forfeited the game check. He's got a new contract that doesn't really pay him any more money, except if he hits incentives that probably would have been offered previously. And, oh, by the way, Kansas City can still place the franchise tag on Chris Jones at the end of this offseason. Dude, what in the world are you doing? I mean, there's just what not to do. By the way, here's the other thing that's also of note. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow last week agreed to that extension as the season was getting underway. Two, a five-year, $275 million extension. Here's the big part to this. $219 million of that is guaranteed. So two things to note. Five-year extension tacked on to the two years remaining on his deal. Plus the potential for two franchise tag years at least at the end of this, assuming that goes away or that stays under the next collective bargaining agreement, which the owners are going to cling to that like a dog to their bone when it comes to the ability to use the franchise tag. As much as free agency would be exciting, if it doesn't happen, owners are not giving that up. That's a win for the owners and a win for the Bengals. It's not fully guaranteed. No quarterback since Deshaun Watson's outlier of a deal in Cleveland has managed to push that. And if you think of $275 million in terms of the extension, plus the amount that Joe Burrow has right now, we'll just conservatively say that's $300 million. Spread that out over seven years, it's about $43 million a year. It's not that much north of Patrick Mahomes. Again, you're taking the five-year extension tacked onto the end of that, and you could even spread that out. I don't spread it out over nine years, Trey, because I'm not counting the two franchise tags, which would be at a higher point in the tag. But for a leverage standpoint, clearly Cincinnati won, and who else also won? But the Chargers, one of the rare instances, and Philadelphia, seemingly every instance, because guess what? They locked up their quarterbacks beforehand on similar type structures and got even more friendly terms because they got the deals done before the Bengals deal with Joe Burrow. Franchises find a way to win, most often in the NFL, and while it may not always be fair to the players, and I don't fault players for getting as much as possible, you need to be as smart about this as you possibly can in an era where the leverage is not going to change anytime soon. Number four. Speaking of leverage, the Virginia Tech Hokies just don't have much right now when it comes to recruiting, and that's why it was not a shock that Salem linebacker, number one prospect in the Commonwealth of Virginia and the top-rated target for the Virginia Tech Hokies, Chris Cole, joined his teammate, running back Peyton Lewis, in fleeing the Commonwealth of Virginia, as did tailback uh, from LCA Gideon Davidson, albeit Davidson's a class of 2025 recruit because he's a junior the two Salem kids are both seniors I mean look I'd love to see guys stay home but right now the top teams in the Commonwealth of Virginia Trey are JMU and Liberty 
And with all due respect to JMU and Liberty, they're not recruiting those type of players unless they have either had injuries or misevaluation or off-the-field concerns that got them booted from their Power 5 school, as we've seen happen in certain instances in different player procurement for Liberty and JMU. Not that that's a bad route to go, but right now, would I love to see guys stay home? Yes. But if I'm a player that's in the Commonwealth of Virginia, do I have a lot of faith that that's the route to go? I just haven't seen it. Um, I don't know if you could really compare someone picking Georgia over Virginia Tech in Virginia, since it's, again, Georgia. I feel like Georgia basically gets to pick any player they want. Um, I will just say this. I think Virginia Tech has reestablished itself as a premier program in terms of recruiting in the state, given this latest recruiting class. Um, I think the only do like the only program you compare it to is the best in the state is GMU because a very much worse Virginia Tech team than the one we see right now beat a better Liberty team. And I know there's a little bit of different circumstances going into that game, but still, last two times they were when they were on the field, Tech won. So I just I just want to point that out. Ed, I mean I, I get the point and I do get the argument. I will throw this out there, though. You're 100% right about Georgia. If they want a guy in the Commonwealth of Virginia that badly... They want anyone anywhere. It's going to be hard for you to say no unless you're a quarterback that wants to go to Lincoln Riley at USC or you're a player that's going to another school that offers more, in the immortal words of our guy Kenny Powers. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Through NIL, even though you're technically not supposed to use that as an offering. Look, if Tech can keep averaging three of the top ten players in the state with all but one going to SEC programs like the top two players in the state are going to Georgia um, so I, I think I think considering where they were and where they are now that they're leaps and bounds better and they're going to keep getting better rarely is it an astronomical rise in talent procurement for programs that do not have a major history of name image and likeness dollar dollar bills y'all or a history of getting wins and virginia tech right now while they have a strong nil relatively speaking with triumph nil it's not on par with the sec programs and that's just the reality when you're playing that particular game number three joe bamisil remember him virginia tech fans he was denied a waiver to be eligible at vcu this coming season he is a multi-time transfer as an undergrad and plans to appeal Freshman year, Virginia Tech. Sophomore year, George Washington. Junior year, Oklahoma. Senior year, VCU. Trey, you may be more familiar with the exact circumstances around this than I pretend to be, but I will throw this out there. I'm all for player empowerment, and frankly, players being able to transfer one time is, has become the norm in college athletics, especially when there are no contracts that are out there. But when you start transferring multiple times within a short period of time, even if one of those instances is medically related, whether it's your health or the health of a family member, excuse me if red flags don't pop up. Again, people hop jobs more than ever before now in the real professional world outside of sports. But if you hop jobs too often, it still is a red flag raiser, even if there are other circumstances that pop up. Is it Oh, there's always an excuse as opposed to maybe those excuses are valid. That's why you have to be very judicious about when you do and do not use those. Number two. I love this comment. It piggybacks off of somebody's girl, Jamel Hill, who opined that the New York Jets should consider Colin Kaepernick as the replacement for Aaron Rodgers with his recent torn Achilles injury that you heard this past Monday evening on your home for Thursday night football, including tonight after Tech Talk Live. Eight o'clock. As well as 
Sunday afternoon NFL and Sunday night and Monday night football, the CBS Sports Radio Lynch Brigade. Not to mention multiple games on Saturday, including a doubleheader this coming Saturday. CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page for more info on this. But the idea of Colin Kaepernick, quote, I just need a shot, end quote, to return to the NFL. Was he a guy that, you know, again, I'll say he's the um, racial activism and left-leaning version of Tim Tebow, who is the Christian activist uh, and right-wing, you know, he was never given a fair and reasonable opportunity. Both of them are backup caliber players who, over the course of time, people were able to figure out how to stop and solve them. Kaepernick has not played since 2016. That is over six full seasons of having not played. I was in college. I mean, even though it wasn't the right way in which that situation was handled from a, was he capable of playing football or not? And was he better than a lot of backups that were options at the time he was essentially blackballed from the NFL? Yes. It still is six years after the fact. I get it, Jamel Hill. It's your big hill to die on, pun intended, of course. But the reality is that that one is not going to change. By the way, speaking of a levity-based moment to wrap up the Fast Five at Five-ish. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. A Wisconsin bar offered free drinks if the New York Jets lost their opener Monday night. Boy, could it have ever turned out better for this establishment. This is not just any bar. It's a Wisconsin bar. Rodgers goes down with the injury. Folks in Wisconsin decide to uh, run the tabs up, run the tabs up and celebrate because they thought the Jets were toast. But guess what? It was not the game after the injury. It was the game of the injury. The rally behind the fallen soldier principle. And guess what? Everybody ran their tabs up. And then when the Jets won in overtime and people realized that the Jets had to lose for this to matter. Boy, that organization that offered the free drinks if the Jets lost. They made out with plenty of dollar, dollar bills, y'all, on that particular evening. And yes, are you that dumb? You could argue alcohol clouded the judgment for some. And there is your fast five at five-ish. One bit of feedback that we want to touch on before we wrap up here in the fast lane, and we always appreciate yours. Fast lane, everyone, where you listen to podcasts. Shannon chimes in. There's a scenario on that LU schedule that may not land us inside the top twenty, but. We could be 12-0 after all. I don't think 12-0 is going to happen for Liberty, but 11-1 is not something that I dispute. Watch at 4 p.m. as you're trying to stomach the Virginia Tech football game this coming weekend, and maybe 30 minutes into it on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, you realize, hey, I'd rather just listen to the game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and then watch some other game on Saturday because watching Virginia Tech football might be painful. Well, at 4 o'clock, Western Kentucky... With a quarterback and a wide receiver who were on the NFL draft radar. They will be battling Ohio State. A defense that's been pretty good, but an offense that has had its fair share of issues. Just watch out for that to be an interesting game. Watch out for that to be the type of performance that might make it a little squeamish. If you're a Buckeye fan and for a Liberty fan as well. Trying to figure out if Liberty can actually go 12-0. Could they? I don't rule it out because of the schedule. But the reality is, is... Nine was their win total. Do I think they have a really good shot to go over that? Yes. But 12, a bit of a stretch. Liberty will lose at least three games in conference. More on that tomorrow. Malik Zaire, former quarterback and analyst, will join us.